Hello and welcome back to the Delve. This time we are looking at a film that uh, I hadn't ever seen and Diego hadn't seen in many years according to what we were saying before the podcast. About 28. Something okay. Like and this is a film that I was surprised I had overlooked in my life. Uh, I am too. It's a film That's... called Starman directed by one of my favorite directors and I think uh, he's been fast becoming one yeah. of my favorites. And someone we, we've talked about before. Uh, remember the name of John Carpenter. I mean, it's only a matter of time before we do a John Carpenter special or four. Yeah. Until we get through every one of his films. There aren't that many, so we think we can pull that off. Starman is a very innocuous little titled film. It apparently didn't make much money at all. It made back his budget. It got a TV series, so at least they I mean, had that faith in it. It did get a TV series. The TV series, as I recall which was a very long time ago. wasn't that much really like the show, but it was a decent TV series. Okay. It was, it was a science fiction TV series. You don't see that too often. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of what... At TV least especially series, not back then. TV series aren't as well chronicled as movies are, I feel like, so I can't... No, there's always these little bits. Like, this this particular yeah. TV series lasted a season. I mean, unless you're in like, the early to mid-90s, you're not going to really see a... Deluge of sci-fi TV series. I think that's wasn't that around the time V came out though. Uh, that would yeah, V was eighties, mm-hmm. early eighties too, if I recall. Yeah, B- B- Battlestar Galactic had been on. Sure. So we're you know I think we're back in that. I think you know we're again we we talk about this all the time on the Dell because we talk about sci-fi films, mm-hmm. seventy-seven onward, big sci-fi era. Sure. And we, I, and I don't think we've left it. We we really. Unfortunately, have to thank George Lucas for that. I think. I don't think it's unfortunate. I, you know, he did a he did a really good job on three films on, on three man. Star Wars films. I hate that man. <laughs> Just keep buying your Jack Porkins action figures, guys, and keep getting more toys. Porkins, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Starman was, as you know, was very interesting. It was really good. I didn't. I went in there not expecting to like it at all. I expected. 80s movies have to be really good for me to give them high grades because I find it very hard, as we've pointed out today. Even I'm very hard on movies because I have to, I have to get past the effects and whatever. I'm spoiled by my time period. See, you, you missed the phrase John Carpenter. <laughs> so as far as effects go, the visual effects they were they were he, really good. He actually. is probably my favorite director when it comes to special effects. I can see that. Like, um, uh, a big shout-out to... Well, well, before we start, we'll get back to effects. Plot of the movie is that we sent out the satellite with the golden record... The Voyager. Voyager. Come on, we watched Cosmos. And I, I was just moving past. I'm trying to, you get, you get, trying to get this see, out. See, you, you, you have to pin it with Voyager because that's an important element of grounding this film. They knew what I was talking about. How do you know that they knew what you're talking about? Because we watched Cosmos. Maybe that was every episode. Maybe, they, maybe they're just Delve listeners. I don't know. I've never polled our listenership of like, Delve tend to do better. So I, I assume there are people who listen to the Delve more than the In main show. Case, we sent out Voyager. Voyager and 1 or Voyager 2? I think it's I think it's Voyager 2. That's the probe that goes out first. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And this a certain alien species decided to take us up on our invitation. They send out their little scouts. And then V'ger comes back. Oh, wait. Wrong film. Wrong film. He promptly gets shot down. Now, at first, I was pissed. But when they go into it later, I'm like, I understood. They didn't assume that it was an alien. 
They assumed, they assumed it was an interballistic missile. Yeah, it was a Russian attack. So shooting at it was a little bit like I forgave them a little. But in any case, they shoot at it. He crash lands. He's got to get. He feels the environment is hostile, and your your alien has to get back to his rendezvous point to escape. Yeah. And you know, hijinks ensue since he's never been on Earth. But and that's the basic plot. And you really don't need more than that. You no. really don't need anything but just. just Go watch it. Just yeah, <laughs> we could we could end here, but I do want to. I think there are things that we can but, okay. for our conversation and our ability Absolutely. to talk about it. I think there are things to talk about here. I definitely want to go back. We were talking about special effects, and my favorite special effect in the whole movie is that he he is a ball, big ball of energy, and he's looking for a form. So he finds the hair of this recently deceased man. And he clones him and inhabits that clone body. Well, it's not just the hair. So he also finds a book of photos. Right. Watches home videos of this guy in this home of the, you know his his widow. Right. But my, the point being that when he clones it, that scene of him going from feet like fetal to full adult is just a really great scene, very reminiscent in my mind of the brilliant effects from the thing. Oh, after this, yeah, that, that was I mean. If, you didn't, if I didn't know it was John Carpenter before right. during the credits, if I missed that that frame, yeah, I would have gone, "Oh, good God! Whoever did this is clearly the favorite of the thing," because mm-hmm. they had it just squidgy and fleshy. It was. It was. It was. And it, it was, was perfect. perfect. It was. It was really good. It looked unnatural. Well, clearly, well, unnatural in the sense of this thing should be in a womb. Definitely. And even as like the the aging process. Works really. Well. I think they went through. I think they like two or three actors in there to get the aging right. There was a lot of like, especially once he even young adult had hit. And Jeff Bridges is the going to be the alien question once the form is finished. And I think even towards that end, they once they hit, they they, they did a lot of. That's obviously Jeff Bridges. Yeah, there was a point. Where I think there was an actor between the animatronic and Jeff Bridges in there. Probably, but it was. It's very good. Jeff Bridges. Well deserves the nomination he got. He plays this alien very well. He basically knows the English from Voyager, along with greetings and you know however many other languages. He said it. I don't remember. I don't know offhand. A lot of different languages. Someone is going to tweet. Your father is going to be like, "It was 52." <laughs> Someone after you release these every morning will go back, listen to that, and correct everything I get wrong. Not just you. Also <laughs> Some, me. Sometimes us. <laughs> By the way, what was your father talking about this morning? Uh, the 80s podcast uh, was released last night. I know that, but he said he he recommended, and it was like a two-letter thing. I'll look it up, but like, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, and I didn't really feel like asking. <laughs> I feel a lot worse about this when you edit huge gaps of quiet. I've been, I've, I've been reducing editing. Have you really? Yeah. You've been getting lazy? Yes, I have. And, wow. and busy with graduate school. Well, that is gonna happen. See, we talked way too much on Twitter. <laughs> FP. He says, "Oh, the FP. Yeah, I, I recommended that. That's the one with um, it's an it's very much an '80s sports film made in the modern day. It stars Jason Trost as the uh, lead. It's essentially an '80s sports film. Okay, where they uh, are playing Dance Revolution as their sport. Because okay. I, I didn't like we. You know, it takes you about two weeks." If we're so significantly longer. If we're case. lucky, significantly longer in this case. Um, to get this stuff out, so like I don't remember what we were talking about, and then people started like commenting on it. And I'm like, 
Yeah, thumbs up. Things I said. <laughs> but Jeff Bridges was fantastic. We have Karen Allen, who, as I mentioned before we started recording, I thought I was going to have trouble disassociating her from Indiana Jones, and it didn't take that long at all. Even after she stopped drinking. Even Marion Ravenwood and uh, whoever character was in Scrooge are very similar. Mm-hmm. And here I think she's actually a different They're character. They're very similar between her and Scrooge and Indiana Jones. No, I'm just... But they, they, I still can't associate them enough. I can't. Like, I've never had problems with that. But, like, I don't know. Like, seeing her in this kind of movie, I was worried it would happen. Okay. And it didn't. Like, she was... She did really well... I think John Carpenter did very well at like directing them, but Jeff Bridges was brilliant, carrying over he you know learning English throughout the film, learning mannerisms. He was very he apparently studied bird uh, movement, okay, to get his physicality. I can see down that. and like that twitchy kind of head movement and the way his legs doesn't quite walk right ever. Mm-hmm. It's just very it's very uncomfortable, but. By, I'd say, like, the last third of the movie, he's much better at all. He, he gets more natural very quickly. Mm-hmm. He, you can st- it's still very much an alien. Yeah, you can see the evolutionary process. I, I thought he did so great. I mean, like, it's just like, there's not a movie I've ever seen him in that he just doesn't knock out of the park. He could be Obadiah Stane or the dude. Really? Or Starman. Honestly, that's the... Iron Man was his weakest role. And it's still only because it's a comic book movie. Yeah. But, like, he's the dude, he's Starman. I have to go back and actually watch the remake of True Grit. I'm sure it was good. It was good. I, I liked it. Maybe we'll do this as a Westerns episode, or, like, modern Westerns. Maybe. We can do Westerns in the remakes? Yes. There have been enough of them, actually. There have been a that. lot. Especially, kind of always. Especially anything involving, like, Clint Eastwood. He's just like, let's do that again. I can direct it now. Be double racist, <laughs> but the other effects were fine. They were they they were eighties, but that's all right. I really like the end effect of the oh the planet ship. The planet ship was great. Which is, it, it was a beautiful effect. It was a big planet with stars coming around it, and it looked like it was there. Absolutely. It fit in the set. It didn't look green screened or CGI'd on. I don't know how they did it. They might have actually had something on that soundstage to sort of model. I'm assuming they did. Yeah, there's no way that was. I mean, I've seen graphic effects from that era. That was a good effect. The, the, the weakest effects were just, like, the the things they were trapped by, like, like some of his telekinesis, stuff like that. And those yeah. were bad. Some of the actor effects weren't, 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 you know, top, top, top notch, but the Voyager going to the planet, the beginning, it, seeing the planet at the end. This is an interesting statement movie by John Carpenter. Like, he, he makes a statement... There's a little bit of anti-government, or at least where the government was then. Mm-hmm. But what I liked best about it is he doesn't make the mistake of going, well, we're a utopian alien species, and we're better than you. He, he makes it very clear within the movie that while he's coming from a, a species that is, you know, more utopian, and I guess in many ways better, that he admits they're like, well, we've lost something. Like there's there's less individuality, less less spark. I, I like that because usually you don't see anyone like anyone who's writing these kind of movies. They don't go well, but you're better, <laughs> or you're 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 good in your own well, way. That was always um, the showrunner for DS Nine. Always said that about Star Trek and Next Generation hmm. when they're making DS Nine that there was no 
flair there anymore. That it was very sterile, a very sterile world, a very sterile universe. Right. And then when he did DS9, he wanted to make it a grittier. And it was. World. There was yeah. There was. It was like especially Cisco and his father. You know, coming from there, there was a much more human element to them. I think it was a true brilliance to make Jake a writer too, because that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. No, I am. I, I, we we talked highly of DS9 before. Sure, and we will but, again <laughs> because it's. But it's also the least Star Trek of Star Trek shows, like when you look at it. Absolutely. So but Starman. Starman. Um, but yeah, um, the special effects were great. The mm-hmm. music. The music was really good. And I, I, I'm going into it, I was expecting a John Carpenter soundtrack. Which, I mean, you all, everyone kind of knows that electronic, it's that, you know, the the Halloween sound theme, the thing theme. Sure. That very electronic. But it's not, though. This is much more orchestral. I don't remember who the to the score. It was, it's very noble, very uplifting. Music by Jack Nietzsche. Okay. I don't, I don't know what else he's done, but it's, it fits the feeling of this uh, movie, which is that you have this, I don't want to say an adventure trip, but I'll say a journey. It's, it's not, it's not an adventure, it's a journey. It definitely is. And it's, it's kind of interesting seeing the human race described on his journey. Like, there's points at which she's teaching him different things, and you can just, you can recognize his confusion. Like, when she's teaching him how to eat, she's like, no, 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 sandwich first, dessert later. And you're like, wait a second, why? Because there are just taboos in society, you have to know that there are taboos and things you just don't do. <laughs> it looks like he uh, did a lot of he did, weird the, the, other, the, other, the exorcist. The other film that I saw down there was about One Blow the Cuckoo's Nest. The Exorcist, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, I love One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. That's one of my... Another... I haven't seen it. Oh. He did Jewel of the Nile, which is actually a good movie. You haven't seen One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest? Wow. That's... Kind of sick. I love that film. And one of those, like, just great films. Uh, one of the three films in a Hollywood Grand Slam. He did Stand By Me. I really like that film. No shit, I know. Stephen King. Yeah, well. If Stephen King shits and you like it, I think. No. He's done some pretty crappy things. Although, well, I would argue that the things that are crappiest with Stephen King aren't really his fault. Like, the movies. You sound like an apologist here. Now, any movie that comes out that's based on a Stephen King book, barring things that were made by... Stanley Kubrick? No. You're saying The Shining was a, wasn't a good movie? I'm saying I've not seen The Shining. Really? Yeah. Kind of surprised about that one, too. I respect his opinion on it. Okay. Which is that he was actually he signed a contract. King signed a contract that said he would stop publicly bashing Kubrick's version of The Shining, so he could get the rights back, so they could do a miniseries of The Shining. Because that's how much he bashed it. Wow. In understandable ways. That, based on what I've seen, like Kubrick really ventures far off from the thematic points that Stephen King was trying to use. So, I can understand why King didn't like it, especially since that's really, for all intents and purposes, uh, a horror autobiography. Because that's like Stephen King writing about his worst days being a drug addict. Ah. See, I wouldn't give Stanley Kubrick a film that you had that much heart into. Well, normally he just doesn't care. Obviously he doesn't care. Like, these movies are crap. Like, nothing, nothing that ever got written was It just seems insane that, like, Stanley Kubrick is one of those great directors, but he's one of those people who will put his own spin on it. He will do his own thing to it. 
there's someone because I, 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 I just read The Shining because Doctor Sleep came out last week, so I wanted to be able to read Doctor Sleep coming off The Shining because it's a sequel. So I did so, and I finished Doctor Sleep too. And what I so I, I read about The Shining thing. There's some there's so many weird theories. Like one, the major theory that I read that was just hysterical is that Kubrick through The Shining was communicating that he was the one who who did the fake-ups of the moon landing. Oh, there's a movie about that. Yes, um, there is. Room 247 or something. Uh, Ed Sizemore talked about it. On our or something. It was whatever, yes. Terry Housen. But yeah, like... Episode, yeah. And like, but like they go into the symbology and like, they're pointing into it and I'm like, it's all very logical, but... It's yeah. completely crappy. You just, just, just put some strings on a newspaper and you're there. <laughs> uh, we have some Twitter comments for. Do we? Yes. That's cool. Starting with uh, Chris Kirby, Gokufi, who writes for uh, Fandom Post. John Carpenter's film? Fantastic! Okay. It was. I, I need to watch more John Carpenter. Yeah, you do. There's, there's no excuse to not watch John Carpenter. At all times. I need to, like, I, I couldn't, like,. I need to know what he did. I'm gonna have to look that up. Uh, I love Starman. Says uh, Zump One. Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen are great in that movie, and I think the soundtrack is really nice too. And from friend of the show, Eper, we have three questions. Of course. Question one: Other than Fearless, is is Starman the craziest, best Jeff Bridges has been? Have not seen Fearless. No, I haven't either. So I guess. But that's he does a. Uh, I do. I do like it. I again love his performance. I don't know if I'd say crazy. I'd just say. Aging and learning. See, I feel like the dude's crazier than the Starman. Maybe. Which is a whole other conversation about noir. Mm. Did you know that? It is no, it's a noir. It's definitely a noir. That. that should go on our next noir discussion. Question two. Do you think the score for Starman by Jack Nietzsche was better than Carpenter's own scores from the same period? I don't... See, I think that's unfair. I wouldn't say better or worse. What I would say is that it was perfect for this film. The Halloween soundtrack was brilliant for Halloween. And you know what? I didn't really, like, I didn't engage with the soundtrack enough in the thing to really remember. It's really, I just think it's the opening credits for the fifth thing, honestly. I don't... The other one I remember is Escape from New York has the same kind of electronic soundtrack that works, so that is that sort of 80s post-apocalypse thing. Sure. And Big Trouble in Little China was great for it, too. Like, that's the point. Like, this soundtrack was perfect for this film. Well, it, it is strange that he did not make his own, his own soundtrack, which is a normal thing you see in John Carpenter films. Maybe he, maybe he recognized that this was needed a different touch. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he's... Maybe the studio demanded it. I, I'm, I'm almost willing to bet it's the studio demand. Because when you do something that consistently, you, it, you, it's normal not something you, not, you always consider another. Alright, so from top to bottom, movies by John Carpenter, I have not seen... Let's see... These are not all his movies, but I haven't seen a solo crusade thirteen. I haven't seen someone's watching me. Elvis. I didn't. I only made it through the first fifteen minutes of the fog before I ended up turning it off. I haven't seen Escape from New York. I know you're shaking your head. I am. You deserve that head shake. I haven't seen Prince of Darkness, They Live, Body Bags, In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, Escape from L.A. I believe I've seen Ghost of Mars. Actually, I haven't seen Ghost of Mars. I don't remember much of it, but I think I've seen it. However, the ones I have seen, I would, like, even amongst these, I, I do rate as one of some of his best. Like Halloween, Big Trouble Little China, 
the thing. And now Star- Starman is definitely Starman's on my list of, of sci-fi films you have to see. Absolutely. What was what was the third question? Oh, the third question was. I like the ending of Starman. It has a very seventies ending. Oh, there's just a comment actually. Okay. The hero and the girl succeed, but he can't get the girl. No, I liked. I, I, I definitely it was definitely a solid ending. I liked that. I liked the the concept that he was leaving behind progeny. Yeah, he definitely. You know, there is that very eighties sex scene that kind of comes out of nowhere a little bit. Felt like for me. I mean, they were building towards it, but it they, they, it they, crested quickly. He didn't have time to build longer. Yeah. The only thing that was believable and. I didn't realize it was until I, I at the until they were communicating at the end. But the idea that they fell in love was really it. very believable. I mean, she was—I don't want to say emotionally weak, but she was she was in a vulnerable position. Sure. We see, you know, we see in the beginning of the film that she's drinking and you know still fawning over these pictures and still living mm-hmm. with the images of this man, and then the body comes back essentially. And I feel that more than loving her per se. He really falls in love with humans, and she's just the embodiment. She's the of avatar like, of humanity yeah. for him. Yeah, that—that's really how that read to me. But like, it was that was well done. I thought their relationship, aside from the sudden sexual relationship, was very well done. And I don't even think that was poorly done. He—he he only has so much time. Yeah, I mean, it's not—it's not a long film. It's only less than two hours. I want to say. It's definitely less than two hours. It's about two hours. Hour 15, or 115 minutes? Uh, yeah. It's 115, yeah. Yeah. It's 115, and there's a lot to deal with. And frankly, I was willing to sacrifice a little roller coaster ring for the sex scene to get some of these scenes of him learning more about humanity. Uh, Yeah, I definitely liked that element. I don't think this actually doesn't harm the film. I mean, we've we've talked about film where, you know, that kind of just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. But But this one, it doesn't. No, it's, it's a placed right. There's even some foreshadowing into it. You know, they have, like, them in the hotel, him learning about kissing, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. He obviously, you know, is falling for her, like, becoming attached to her. So, yeah, it was, it was well done. And obviously, this is we don't normally get quite this many comments of Starman Yay, so obviously yeah. this is, at least in some circles, not an unknown. Well, I, th- I, th- I think it definitely is a loved film, just people don't necessarily talk about it enough. If you've watched it, you love it, but you might have not have ever seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's not... This is before John Carpenter's indie phase, or before he leaves Hollywood, so... It's, it is a Hollywood film. It is, but I think it's better for it. No, it, 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 he, you, John Carpenter uses Hollywood well when he can. And if the studio was responsible getting the soundtrack into, like, what it was, mm-hmm. then good on them. Well, this film, if you read the production, it it had a trouble production for a long time. Had a what now? It had a trouble production for a long time. Oh, I didn't see anything about that. Because he was not the first director attached to this film. Oh, okay. He was, like, the third or fourth director attached to this film. Well, thank Christ they fucked up. Yeah. And they, the people just left, they just muddled for a long time, and there was, he changed the script around, he took a lot, a lot of politics from it. I think that's for the best. And that, this film works well, has... It's there. I like... This is less about any one country and more about humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the government character, the scientist there. I like the scientist. I also like agree with the, the government's, like, senator, congressman, CIA guy, whoever. The, the shadowy person at the head of the, mm-hmm. the table. Yes, it is not the same problems that we had with uh, Dreamscape. Had a lot of sort of overarching menacing government agency. Right, and this, like, this is... 
the government actions are entirely were, rational. Right. The only the only time that they ever we ever have an issue or I think was necessary for the plot, which there's a point where they're like they're closing in and they're like and set up the autopsy booth. And I think they needed that to push the scientist into helping. Because mm-hmm. if if they weren't going to do that, then he really didn't have any. He wouldn't have really had as many qualms about saying, "No, no, we'd like to talk to you some more and find out more." Yeah. Although I think the threat of the alien dying would have been enough. I think so, but no, no. The government, the government is done well here because they're not super competent, shadowy government agency. They're not bumbling incompetent. Well, that's what I love. One of the reasons I love watching movies like this, and I love watching movies from the 80s, is because there are so many legitimate problems that can't exist now. <laughs> like, if you... If this movie was now, he would have been pegged, like, an hour after he arrived. Now, we, was, we've tracked him for miles around. Right? And he'd be like... We were just... We were talking about this. We're going to discuss Hitchcock in a little while. We're just like, rear window would be completely different if they had cell phones. <laughs> but in any case. But this is... Well, we were going be different if we had television. Fair enough. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, there's people out there. Whatever. I'm watching the series finale of Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... But no, like, because the technology is the level of the 80s, they have so much fucking problems chasing these two. Yeah. Oh, and we drone strike them. Wait, you did What? I only had one problem with the entire thing that I didn't believe about their their fleet, which was they get to Las Vegas, she doesn't have any money, she, she lost her wallet and her credit cards and everything, but they, they win money, and they buy a car, and I'm like, how did you buy a car when you don't have a driver's license? Vegas. <laughs> that was the only problem I had. I'm like, disbelief. See, see the rule is always, man, Vegas... Like, well, the car costs fifteen thousand, right? Well, I want fifty, so maybe we can make something work. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like, that was the only problem I had in the whole movie. If that's your one problem, <laughs> it's pretty well. Yeah, done. I'm pretty critical of these movies. So you you like you find flaws far more often than I like than I find them. Uh, as was pointed out to me today, I'm I tired. <laughs> You are more forgiving. I am. I forgi- I'm forgiving of science fiction films. But yes, this is that's my one takeaway from this is you have to watch it. If you have not watched it, this weekend you need this to watch a, it. Yeah, no, pick this. If the sale isn't on Netflix or Amazon or one of those, no, but it's yeah, it's worth the rental price. I think it's on Amazon. It's worth the fifteen dollars for the Blu-ray. I mean, I, I would say that if you tend to agree with what we tell you. It is. It's worth buying the Blu-ray. Yeah. My one issue with the Blu-ray is it doesn't have a lot of official features. There's no making of. There's no commentaries. There's a couple. Like there's previews for movies that like came out. That like, doesn't count. Forever ago. That's not, those aren't, those aren't special yeah, features. Those movies were crap too. <laughs> I don't count trailers as features. Final Fantasy was one of the trailers. Oh, uh, Spirits Within, a film that almost bankrupted the uh, game game studio. But in any case. If you haven't seen this, you have to see this. Yep. There's just no... Starman is a film that is worthy of being on sci-fi lists. If you are a lover of science fiction and you haven't seen this, then you you, you have lost your title until you watch this. We'll wait. So, what are we watching next time, Diego? What are we watching? We're watching Disney's The Black Hole. Yep. Their first foray into PG. Yes. 
Did it deserve it? Will we see breasts? Who knows? Uh, no, you will not see breasts. <laughs> but you will see the first on-screen death of a character in a Disney film. Well, this is pretty... What, what year is this? 79. This is 79, so PG-13, then you might see a bra, so... Yeah, PG-13 doesn't exist till mid-80s. Does it really now? Yeah. Interesting. Dreamscape was the second PG film. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, Temple of Doom is the reason that rating exists. I'm trying to remember if there's anything in Temple of Doom. A no. man's heart is pulled out while it is still beating. Ish. It's magic. A man's heart is pulled out, <laughs> still beating, and then burst into flames. Well, exactly. You have to purify the evil. Fantasia. I'm just dropping that right now. That's rated G. Right. Fantasia gets a G, but we pull a heart out of a man. That's PG thirteen. Also, well, Fantasia there was no uh, rating system, and it also had a, it had a weird release system. So I don't know if that was even uh, characterized by the code. I suppose. But in any case, that's the next thing on the delve. Uh, yeah, feel free to watch it along with us. Yep. Black hole. Black hole. Nineteen seventy eight. Seventy eight. Seventy nine. It's It's very clearly post Star Wars. There you go. All right. We'll see you then.